0: You're listening to the Access Success Podcast, produced by AccessU, a division of Access Advertising and Public Relations. Hey, let's do something big. I'm your host, Rachel Schneider. Welcome to the Access Success Podcast, where we highlight important topics focused on education in every form it takes. And you may have listened to our previous podcast about the basics of crisis communication. And today we're actually going to be reflecting on a recent crisis here in Virginia, the shooting at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville that occurred on Sunday, November 13th. As of this recording on November 17th, three students, all football players, were shot and killed. This included Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry. Another player, Michael Hollins, is still being treated while a fifth victim has been discharged from the hospital. And in the conversation today, we're going to be talking about what UVA's PR team did during that time, how information was made available to the public, and the significance of some of these crisis communication strategies going forward and how they actually might change in the near future. Uh, This tragedy has been felt across the nation as yet another deadly shooting on school grounds but especially here in Virginia with UVA so close to Virginia Tech in Blacksburg where 32 people were killed and 17 wounded in a mass shooting in 2007. Joining us to discuss this today is AccessU's Vice President Strategic Communications Rachel Spencer hi Rachel hi Rachel so the first thing I want to ask you is just for your general reaction seeing this unfold what were some of your first thoughts Um, well I think you know, my first thoughts were just like anybody else's, you know,
1: not again, and just a complete heartache and heartbreak for everybody involved. Um, You you mentioned Virginia Tech. I think anybody who is here in Virginia, we hear about these um, unfortunate mass shootings on school campuses, and our minds automatically go back to 2007, Virginia Tech. Um, It's just kind of part of our history now. Um, So thinking about that, but also just thinking about... um, what everybody on the UVA campus is going through, um, you know, and two, I don't think you can work in public relations and communications and hear about an event like this without thinking about what's happening on the ground. Um, so, you know, uh, thinking about you know what you know what happened, what are we going to hear next? You know, how could this have been prevented, if at all? Um, but also just like, what is it like to be on the ground right now with that team, and and you
0: know what is what are we gonna see in the next couple hours and days? And uh, looking at external communications, the first place that I saw that this was happening was UVA's Emergency Management Twitter. And uh, that account was posting every few minutes throughout the night. And I believe started uh, about 10.31 p.m. Sunday, announcing and alerting people of shots fired and then announcing there was an active attacker and to run, hide, fight by 10.42 p.m. And then asking people to shelter in place throughout the night. And just, again, periodic tweets throughout the night. Right. that continued for, you know, about 12 hours until that shelter in place order was lifted Monday morning around 10:30. So, can we review how the university um, you know, maybe plan their messaging here and the significance of just having those frequent updates throughout the night, even when you might not have new information?
1: Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate reality is that there is kind of a playbook for this, right? Um, you know, so ever since, you know, Columbine, really, um, communications teams on school campuses have been reviewing um, previous incidences, and they, you know, we kind of have a, um, a system in place now. We know we have to come out frequently, um, and we know that if the information is not coming from from the school itself it's going to come from someone else and that information might not be accurate so you know I think UVA did a, a wonderful job of just making sure their voice was heard they were providing accurate information as quickly as they possibly could they were putting it out on all of their channels um, they were coordinating you know well with the media trying to use the media as a channel and a voice um, for you know educating anybody outside of campus about what that you know what they knew at the time um, you know as far as the, the initial couple of hours those live treats trying to go out throughout you know I wasn't on the campus but you know I feel certain that you know the (coughs) students were getting all the information through the right channels shelter in place everything that we would hope that a college would do in this situation I think they were doing I think they were doing it really well Um, but let's talk about the you know kind of the elephant in the room I think and that's Twitter Um, you mentioned that you know you first saw about it on their Twitter accounts um, and they were putting out information quickly and it's really interesting to think about that now um, in the current environment with what's happening at Twitter, um, because Twitter has by default over the last several years really become the primary channel that is used and that people go to for information in a crisis situation, particularly something like a mass shooting Um you know, or an incident of violence, or or terrorism, or anything like that. Everybody is going to kind of see what's the quickest I can get information, what's happening on the ground right now, and it also consolidates that conversation really well through the use of hashtags. Now, what's happening with Twitter is, you know, we've seen very, very rapidly Uh, a distrust of that channel, you know, because ever since some of the policies have changed, uh, people are having a hard time understanding what's verifiable, what channels they can trust, what channels are authentic without that, you know, verification check mark, right? Um, And so while that's still the the primary channel that people are going to under the crisis, you know, I I wonder how that's gonna change moving forward um, if Twitter does not We can no longer rely on Twitter as our primary method of um, quick, fast, accurate communications.
0: Well, and that goes back to how you know social media changed the game to begin with, where um, the media and then the public didn't really have to wait for a press conference or to see something on broadcast news to know it was happening. Um, And we're seeing a lot more of, I guess, what people have coined citizen journalism, or just people. Pointing out on social media what they're seeing and posting pictures. So, along those lines, how can organizations combat misinformation during a time like this when they're putting out these tweets and they're getting hundreds of re- replies to each one with different types of information?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, it's really, really challenging. Um, there's a couple of things that, you know, are just crucial elements to have in place. One, just making sure that there is a place on the website, everybody knows where to go for the correct information, whether that's a page on their website or you're directing everybody to facebook there needs to be a centralized location where you're updating it regularly with the facts as you know it um, and that's where you direct the media to that's where you can direct your social media to that's where you can direct the general public to and making sure that it's consistently and constantly updated um, with all the accurate information so at least you have one place one singular voice um, that you can point to people. Now, that's you know, that's not going to solve every problem. There's always going to be that problem of misinformation going around. So, being able to make sure that the team is in place to monitor where that misinformation is occurring, so that you can respond and correct it, um, and you know, make sure that you know. It, especially people like the media aren't relying on inaccurate information, making sure that you have a good relationship with the reporters and are going back and saying, you may have seen this, I want to make sure that I give you the actual facts um, so that what's Mm -hmm. being reported is accurate. I'm sure you have perspectives as a former journalist about how um, communicators could you know help educate you and help make sure that you have the correct facts in a situation like this?
0: 100 percent. And it's so helpful when you know we do hear a rumor because we're from a media perspective. You know, in situations like that, we're checking Facebook, we're checking Twitter for every name. We're tracking down every person that's posted a photo to ask, hey, can we talk to you? You know, we're going on campuses. We saw several news outlets from even around this area travel to Charlottesville to cover what was going on. So, um, I think universities and organizations a need to prepare that There is going to be a mass media presence like never before if something like this happens, and they're going to be talking to everybody. They're not going to address all of their questions about the university directly to you. They're going to be asking people that they see on campus, random students, just trying to get somebody on camera or get a quote from someone for a reaction. Um, and it's a it's a very stressful time all around. But going off of that, um, yeah, I can I can agree that they're definitely needs to be a central hub for communication to know where to go to the latest updates and then it's helpful to keep an email chain going with all of the reporters you know are covering that event so when you have an update you can say hey we just posted this you might have seen this you know on a, on a different website this is untrue here's actually what we're doing so um, you've got to just have a PR team that's on fire to, to be able to control this so I know it takes a village um, and then When it comes to leadership, I know we also saw UVA's president, Jim Ryan, his social media accounts were posting new updates and um, letters talking about, you know, what's happening next after these events. How can organizations and PR teams prep their leadership and going back to planning? You know, how are we going to make sure that we have the right faces in place in times like this and make sure that they're notified of the correct information. Yeah, I mean, I think President Ryan did a great job and ha- is still doing a great job, just being proactive,
1: being present, because in a crisis that people want to hear from the leadership, right? They don't want to hear from the PR team. Um, you know, it's, it's the communications jobs to make sure that the message is going out accurately, but we don't need to be the voice. We, we need to position and empower leadership to be the voice that everybody wants to hear from. And so I think that they've done a really good job of that. He's been, you know, sharing letters you know he's been as transparent as he could be. He's but most importantly he's also been really authentic. Like I haven't seen, you know, there are certain things that we see every time we have a situation of a mass shooting. Um, you know, but I think the language is starting to change too. It's starting to be very very authentic. We're starting to go kind of human to human in our communications around these events, which I think is really really important from leadership. Um, but going back to planning, you know, they've obviously prepped him well. Um, he, you know, he knows what his role is in this situation, and he knows he can't he's you know his job is not to to hide behind the communications team or hide behind law enforcement he knows he needs to be front and center and he's doing a good job about that so they prepared him well you know planning making sure that you know periodically throughout the year your comms team your executive leadership team your administrative team they're all coming together and anticipating what what you're going to do in these situations getting around the table doing disaster preparedness doing you know mock disasters you know i think a lot of institutions are starting to implement things like that you know let's let's walk through what we do what is our you know timeline who's responsible for what who's on point here you know who are all the people that are going to perform these different jobs so when you have a crisis nobody's left wondering what do i do like there's a there and i that goes back to my point earlier there's a playbook um, you customize it to your institution and to your voice and and to the situation so Certainly, but it's so important to spend the time to think through, you know, if there is a shooting, if there is an issue of terrorism, if there's a sexual assault, whatever the crisis is what would we want to say to our audiences? You know, how would we want to say it? Who would we want to have say it? And, you know, plan those things out. And then you have a really, really good foundation. So you're not reinventing the wheel in a time when you're stressed and the pressure is on and you're trying to cobble together the facts and figure out what happened. You at least have a place to start and you can start providing that information regularly. So, you know, planning is is really, really key. And I think it's pretty clear that UVA had a really good plan.
0: So, for the organization itself to have a plan, obviously very important, but now what we're seeing is more reaction to um, crisis like this happening, but across other universities showing support. You know, we saw Virginia Tech do the Hokies for Whos um, hashtag on their social media, and we see athletic teams there and other organizations showing support, posting pictures, you know, posting messages. Um, How has that landscape changed just in the past, you know, 20 or so years? I guess it's been over 20 years really since since columbine happened now but um how has that evolved also with social media uh you know i think it's just it makes it easier for um
1: external entities to share their message messages of support around a situation like this and it you know it is it's so heartbreaking but it's also one of the you know beautiful things that happens after crisis like this when you see you know it, what, who are normally competitors just kind of come around and rally around the communities. Like what Virginia Tech is doing, I think is you know wonderful, and we're seeing that from so many different universities. Um, so there, the communications response from. Um, Peers and competitors who are not going through the crisis, but who kind of understand and empathize with the crisis, is really interesting to watch too. Because I think there's there's a playbook for that as well. You know, we always see them rallying around, which is you know I just think is a, a wonderful, important, nice thing to do. Um, especially you know if you know you have a history of kind of. Football co- rivalries or whatever it is, it's just like put that aside for a second and come out. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think we're starting, you know, we see regularly are these, you know, colleges and universities. They start really being proactive for a short period of time to push out their own information about these are the resources that are available to us on campus. This is what you know, what you do if there's a situation that is concerning. we you know reminding everybody of what the policies. And so my only comment about that is, and it's really interesting that yes, these. Awful situations present a, a need to kind of remind everybody about uh, what we could do to maybe prevent something like this from happening on our own campus. But I would just advise—I hope that's not the only time that the audiences are hearing about these things. So it's mm-hmm. just a reminder to to be proactive, you know, with your communications year-round, so that in any, so that a crisis is not the only time that your audiences are hearing about the resources that you have um, and things like that. So. I think it's you know a, an important reminder for everybody. This is this is uh, a very pressing, hard to deal with issue. You know, my heart is with everybody on the UVA campus. Um, but you know, let's remember as educators, you know that we uh, bleh, let me talk about that again. <laughs> um, you know, our hearts are with everybody on the campus of UVA right now as they're dealing with how to navigate the aftermath of this crisis. Uh, and so just uh, you know, a reminder that it is um, being felt far outside of that campus as well. So you know, all of your students on any different campus and your campus communities, they're wanting to hear from you um, and try to be proactive, be um, consistent with that message as well, uh, and push it out through not only during this time of crisis, but at other points of the year as
0: well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to know, too, we're seeing it with Gen Z, I think more than any other generation now, there's more of a involvement in um, political activism, too, especially around this. What advice maybe do you have for um, public relations teams and, and organizations and universities, especially who maybe go through something like this and then they start seeing more of a demand for a type of policy action. Because I think every time something like this happens now, you know, it's like, okay, there's another one. And there's, you know, notably going to be people speaking out saying that they want something else done. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And what position does that put the university in then politically to say something or not to say something?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's tricky. Every university is going to, you know, have a unique situation. But there's two things in these situations. People want to hear from you and they want to feel heard. So, I think from a communications perspective, it's what information are you putting out to make sure that they're not wondering what your positioning is or what conversations you have. You know, make them aware that, you know, this is something that you're paying attention to and maybe you don't have a solution yet or you don't have a particular direction yet, but you're at least being clear about. Um, staying in touch with your audiences and at the same time create those platforms those avenues for your students for your faculty for anybody on campus who may be engaging and wanting a solution they want to feel heard Um, you know so whether that's town halls or whether that's you know social media conversations um, you know enabling conversations in classrooms whatever that is I think creating those communications channels that are two-way you know deliver the communications and receive it as well and then you know take that and develop something that works for your institution
0: Is there anything else you wanted to mention about when it comes to organizations who maybe don't have a plan yet? I know we've already done an episode on the basics of crisis communication, so they can refer there. But in the wake of this tragedy, I mean, I think that that is something that should definitely be highlighted and, and top of mind on reflecting on this event and other events in the past and how they can, you know, continue to evolve.
1: Yeah, just the plan is so, so important. And be thinking about, you know, what channels you're going to use and particularly, are you going to have to? Change them. Um, You know, we don't know if Twitter's going to end up being the the place that we go to in a crisis. Maybe it's something else. Maybe we need to rethink that. Um, So now is the time. The time to plan for crisis is not when a crisis is happening, it's before. Because I've said it a million times at some point, every organization is going to go through some sort of a crisis. um, And those times are stressful Um, they're emotional they're very emotionally charged Um, there's a lot coming at you Um, there's a lot of uh, trust and accountability that's happening and to not have a plan in place just creates so much vulnerability and added stress not only for you but your audiences Um, and that can so that can just be alleviated so much by having some sort of a plan in place um, so that you you know you feel like you have a little bit of a grounding in those um, circumstances
0: Well, thank you for being able to share those thoughts and insights with the audience, Rachel. And for those wanting to learn more about crisis communications, we have a previous episode about Crisis Com 101. We also have several blogs on accessu.com. So thank you for listening. And if you would like to look at accessu.com for those blogs and other resources, we will have those in the description of the episode. Thanks for listening to the Access Success Podcast produced by AccessU, a division of access, advertising, and public relations. Find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram to keep up with what the world of education needs to hear at AccessU Agency and connect with us at accessu.com. Let's do something big.